New year, new you, got a lot of things going on. Uh, how many of you stayed up really late? All of you that didn't raise your hand, you're a lot smarter than I, did, I am because I stayed, up, I stayed up till one and I am really feeling that and I will probably never do that again, although I say that and then next year we'll come around and I'll, I'll want to do it again. But I'm super excited because, uh, I don't know, I just like the feeling of a new year. And I thought in order to get us in the spirit, of New Year, New You. I wanted to show you some really powerful, engaging New Year's resolutions that some people made that really impacted my life. So can we throw the first one up there? Uh, my resolution for 2019 is to refer to myself less often as trash and more often as recycling, because at least my nonsense is eco-friendly and sustainable. Man, that, that really encourages me pretty well. I, I just feel humbled to move forward. What, what, what about some more? We got some more, right? Uh, increase my relationship status from forever alone to slightly desperate. And all the youth said amen. No one says amen. <laughs> all right, you got, you got two more, right? Uh, New Year's resolution, exercise my right to eat more tacos. I feel that one as a proud owner of the dad bod society. It's, it's pretty hard. All right, final one, final one. Uh, my New Year's resolution is to be more efficient, so I'm giving up on it right now instead of wasting all January acting like I can achieve it. <laughs> Man, relatable. <laughs> How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution before? Okay, we got, we got some people. How many of you have never heard of it? Okay, thank God we're starting in a good spot. Uh, I am a fan of New Year's resolutions, but I'm also a fan of goals. Uh, but let me be honest here. When I was told that I was going to preach the very first sermon of the year, and it's about goals, um, I'm kind of nervous. Partially because the main goal that I had this year was to wake up not feeling as tired, and I already have failed that, so I'm not really a good example. <laughs> but also because, I mean, let, let's be honest. I'm, I'm 26. I'm a young dad. I haven't been married for long. What can I say? Like, like I'm joking, but I'm also not. Like, what, what advice can I give? Many of you are wiser, smarter, have more life experience than me. So, like, what, what can I say that can actually help? And this is an actual fear of mine writing this sermon. I'm like, I don't know what to write about. I don't know where to point us. Because what I say matters. And then there's also the other caveat that I don't want to necessarily just tell you to do something like as a, as a goal. Like, I don't want to say, man, everyone needs to read their Bible every single day. Because there's two issues with that. Number one, some of you already do that, so it's not helpful. And the second one is some of you just got saved this last month. And getting open your Bible in the first place should be your first goal. And then learning to read it consistently every day should be your second goal. So if I put a goal like this, and you're just barely struggling to survive— it can actually hurt you more. So I'm kind of in this predicament of what do I even say to communicate God's will in the correct way that's scripturally accurate, but also encourages us to push for new things this year. I was really racking my brain, and, and I, I don't really get scared speaking in front of people, but I, I was a bit nervous this time. I, I don't know what to say, and, and I want to make sure that I communicate God's word correctly. That, that's important. So I, I kind of went back to the drawing board and I asked myself, okay, what do I need to know? How can I grow? How, how can I get better? And I started really asking myself, okay, as a youth pastor, what, what can I do? As a husband, as a father, 
as a follower of Jesus? How, how, how can I grow? How can I get better? And I started listening to some sermons, and I, I, I think for me, I realized that I had the wrong mindset. I, I'm very much a five-year planner. I like to see things in five years. I, I want to shoot for five-year goals, and I can forget little details. So what I'll do in compensation for my goals for this year is I'll make very specific goals to hit every single day. And if I don't hit them, well, I'm kind of like sad and depressed because I didn't hit the goals that I purposely made impossible. You know? And I, I realize that I think I've been approaching this the wrong way. I think I've been trying to set goals that I can manage and kind of forget, well, God's first in this. Like, if he's not there, then there's no point in this. So what should I say that will help you guys, that will help me, that will help all of us not only become better Christians, better husbands and wives, better dads and moms, but also just be more like Jesus? And I'm brought to this verse in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, and it will be on the screen. This is Paul talking. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Uh, Some theologians would refer to this as the flesh, the sinful nature that everyone has that they're born with. Uh, Verse 23, uh, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And there, I think I had a realization. What if instead of making a very specific goal for me of to hit something every single day, those are important and you should do that, but what's an overarching thing? What's beyond all this? What's bigger than just read my Bible daily? And I, I think I found something that really impacts me. It's a simple idea, Okay. What should you remove from your life and what should you add? And it's on that verse. The things that you should remove are a part of your old life, your old self. The things that you should add are a part of your new life. It says in Colossians 3, 1 through 10, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, you should set your eyes on things above. You should put to death your old ways and put on the new nature that God has given us. I think that should be our first starting point. What are things in your life that are part of your old nature, your old way, your sinful desires that need to die? And, because we just can't stop there, what should we add that's part of our new nature to be more like Jesus, to be righteous and godly? You have to have both. If you have just one, it's just removing without adding, and it doesn't really help the situation. If you have the other, it doesn't address the initial problem. So, I want to give you five ways that we can remove something and then add something within it. So, if you want to grow this year, if you want to become more like Jesus, if you want to see God move in ways in your life that you've never seen before, number one, get rid of the fear of the future. It says in Matthew 6.34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. And that's why I started with communion with that. Because I can get so focused on, man, I hope God moves. I hope he does these things. And then I can get so focused on that that I'll try to, like, make God work. I'll try to force his hand. That's not how it works. 
God's so good and so loving, he doesn't need your help. He just wants your cooperation. He just wants your obedience. So, remove the fear of failure, and what should you add? Trust God with your future. Remove the fear of your your future, trust God with your future. That's number one. Okay, maybe you've done that already. Maybe you're a better Christian than I am. Cool, I got a few more for you. Number two, remove the illusion of control. Because to be honest, I think that we think we can control a lot more of our lives than we actually can. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that means that you don't have to work ever. You can do whatever you want and nothing will ever happen. Not saying that. What I am saying is this. You can spend your entire life trying to raise a fortune and one hurricane and market crash can ruin it entirely. And you can be lucky. You can try your hardest to not try and then you get blessed with fortune. And and truly, as I get older, I realize that the only thing that I can really control is my emotions, how I handle something, and what I choose to focus on. I can't necessarily control my situation, but God can. And it says in the Bible, he works all things to the betterment of his glory. So, in Jeremiah 29, 11, many of you know this, but think about it for a second. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's a really flowery and great verse to hear, except when you feel like all your future plans are going to hurt you. Do you trust God? Give control to God. So, number two. Get rid of, remove the illusion of control. Give control to God. Let's, let's be honest. He's better at running our lives anyways than we are. I mean, I think sometimes I'm really good at running my life, and then I realize, no, I'm actually pretty bad. (laughs) Number three, remove the pain of regret. This is, ooh, this is going to hurt. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us of all of our unrighteousness. You know what's one of the big things that I happen to see with a lot of youth students? They know they're saved. They know that God loves them and he cares for them. They have a hard time actually walking that out because they're so consumed with the failures and mistakes that they made in the past and they think that God still sees them that way. But he doesn't. Your sins are, are wiped away clean by the blood of his death on the cross. And we need to do our best to be more like him and to be more righteous, but like that doesn't mean that he counts every single sin that you've ever done and holds it against you. If you're a Christian and you die, you're pronounced clean by his blood. So let's live that out. So get rid of the pain of regret. And then, sometimes very, very difficult, accept the forgiveness God has given you. That's hard. And it's, it's even easier to understand that intellectually and to tell people to do that, but it's really hard to do it for yourself. But that's a start to becoming more like Jesus. Okay, number four. This one kind of goes hand-in-hand with the last one. Shame from the past. Ooh. We all have a little past, don't we? We all have a little ways where we try to do things in our own way, and it didn't really work out, and then we really messed up, and, and we maybe have been punished for our actions, and totally get that. You're not alone. But God is greater than that. 
and he gives you a new life. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new creation has come. The old one has gone. The new's here. You may have been a mess up. You may have been a divorcee. You may have been a failure. But through Jesus' death and resurrection, you have the opportunity to no longer be that way. But will you believe that? Going back to Jeremiah 29, 11. Sorry if I'm jumping around, Matt. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Do you trust those plans? Do you trust that God is good and that he provides forgiveness? And trusting involves walking that out. So I want to encourage you. If you've been held down by the shame that you felt from past mistakes and decisions. That's okay. Don't worry. God still loves you. You can't do anything to make God love you more or less. Will you accept that? Finally, number five, remove the burden of unforgiveness. Ooh, we always like to talk about, man, God is so good and he can save every part of our life, but when it comes to someone doing us wrong, we really like to hold that against them, don't we? Like, it's a lot of fun. Like, it feels validating. Do you know what's really hard for me to do? It's really hard to say, I messed up. Like, I hate it. It's annoying. But the more I get closer to Jesus, the more I realize that if he forgive me from everything that I've done, who am I to withhold that? It says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How? just as in Christ, God forgave you. We didn't deserve eternal life and God forgave us and gave it to us freely. So who are we to, for, to not hold that? Who are we to not forgive others? And to be honest, aren't our offenses that we get from other people minimal in comparison to our sin to God? What, someone hurt your feelings? Well, your sin causes death. And God forgave that. So will you forgive people this year? Especially when you don't want to. Especially when it's hard. So, remove the burden of unforgiveness and forgive as Christ forgave you. Those are five things that you can do this year to remove the old nature and to put on the new nature. But those are important. But like I said before, oftentimes we can make everything about us, about how much money we can make, job status, how famous we are, how big our, our friendships and family is. But, but hear me, there's one more thing we need to add. We need to reconsider what seems important to what really is important. Ben, you can come on up. At the end of the day, Jesus is all that matters. I'm going to say this one more time because I think some of you need to really hear this, including me. At the end of the day, Jesus is all that matters. You had a bad day? God is still good. Had a hard life? God is still good. Maybe your one friend turned against you. God is still good. And if you can recognize what really matters and put that first, live your life towards Jesus instead of anything else. You know what's funny? Everything else just kind of works out. It may not work out the way you want it to, 
Trust me, I've still been praying for this Ferrari and I haven't seen it come. (laughs) But I can tell you this, I'm in a better spot than I was five years ago. What is actually important in our lives? What's important in your life? I can tell you two things that I think we should make important. First one I already said, Jesus, God. He's kind of important. He kind of saved our lives. Number two, your family. I'm telling you this now as a father, seeing my kids grow. There is no greater joy I have than watching my two kids grow. And I hope to God, I pray to God that I never put any job in front of that. Same for you. What's the point of being rich and famous if, if you lose your family? If you lose your husband or your wife? What's really important? What really matters? So I, I know that was a lot, partially because I only had 20 minutes today instead of 30, so I had to shove a lot in a very small time. <laughs> but truly, I, I want you to reevaluate what you find important this year. Like I said again, Colossians 3, 1 through 10, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your eyes on things above. What are you focusing on? Where are your eyes set upon? I know life can be hard. I know it can be unsteady. I know sometimes you don't even know if God will provide, but if you focus on him first, he will always provide when you need it the most. So I'm going to go back to that one verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen to this one more time. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Do you know when this verse was was said? When this was written to who? This was written to the Hebrew people when they lost everything. They believed that they were one nation under God and God would never take them away and, and break them apart. But because of their foolishness, putting other things above him, he raised up another power and drove them away from their promised land. And in that exile, when it seemed like all hope was lost, when it seemed like they had nothing left, That's when that verse came. We can make this verse kind of flowery, but do we trust it? Do you know the plans God has for you? Do you realize that he is working to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future? And now that you realize that, will you walk forward in that? I hope this year, This is not just a greater year for your job, for your finances, for your influence, but for your family, for your spouse, and for your relationship with God. I pray that that last one is first. Let's pray. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. And above all else, this is all about you, God. If you didn't rise from the grave, if you didn't conquer death in that one moment, there'd be no point in being here. This would be meaningless. But you did do that. You did conquer death. You gave us eternal life. You gave us a hope and a future. So now, Lord, I pray that we choose to build our life on you first and foremost. We take 
that goal and make everything else conform around that. Lord, I thank you for how you've provided in good times and bad. But Lord, I know you're going to do even greater this year. So I pray you use us and that we're humble to accept it. In Jesus' name, amen.